Welcome to the Truth Wars podcast with Dr. Olin Stubbs. If this podcast has encouraged you in any way, we'd like to ask you to leave a review for Truth Wars on whichever platform you listen on. Now, here's Olin. So, you know, I went to Stanford University, and they had a little student paper called Crimson, and and people would write in, and you could write little editorials, and I I do remember this very distinctly. I was not in a fraternity or sorority. Um, It was not Greek, but most of my friends were. Uh, Guys and girls were in different fraternities and sororities, and so I remember somebody wrote an article, like a little editorial, said, you know, if Jesus was alive today, he would be in fraternity. And kind of made their case. And then somebody else wrote a retort, you know, if Jesus was alive today, he would definitely not be in fraternity. And, and it's interesting how much people like to kind of claim Jesus for their side. Uh, and I have heard people say, you know, if Jesus was alive today, he would definitely vote straight Republican all the time. And I've heard other people say, no, 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 if Jesus was alive today, he would definitely vote straight Democrat all the time. Um, and... You know, I know even people that aren't Christians are always kind of very interested in what Jesus says because even if you don't believe that he's the son of God, a lot of people believe he's the maybe top one or two greatest teachers, philosophers, prophets of all time. Um, I have some Hindu neighbors, and we've had multiple discussions about Jesus, and, and they're very quick to say he's a great prophet, great man, really respect him. Uh, so most people would like to have Jesus on their side. And there's actually one story in the Bible, it's really short, I'm going to read it and just make a few comments, where Jesus actually spoke to the topic of politics. He didn't do it very often, but he got asked a question. So this is Mark chapter 12, starting verse 12. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and they went away, and they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius. And that was kind of a small coin of their day. And let me look at it. And they brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Okay, so I just want us to think about this from a second, kind of like Jesus' political philosophy. Um, And I think that when we think about politicians, I mean the person that's running for the office, uh, or people like us, just the voters that are trying to choose, who am I going to vote for? uh, There's at least three different ways to do it wrong. And I think it's three different kind of heart motivations that can drive us in the way that we think about political things. We can be fearful, uh, we can be fake, and we can be false. And I'll say what I mean by that kind of based off of this. If you notice kind of how that little passage started out, it says there were people that didn't like Jesus because he just taught this little parable, which is like a little story with spiritual truth. And they understood what the parable meant was they had power right now, but it's like one day we're not going to have that power. And they they made them mad. They didn't like that. They wanted to arrest Jesus. But they couldn't arrest Jesus because all the crowds loved Jesus. So they were fearful. I mean, they were driven by fear. And you just think about how much today politicians of both sides of all stripes and colors, they're driven by fear. I mean, it's just just fear-mongering nine times out of ten. Usually when I'm getting ready in the morning, uh, it doesn't take me very long to get ready, but the the five or ten minutes I'm getting ready... I will just turn the news on to have almost background noise. And I hate commercials. 
And the way that our satellite you know, system is set up is all the news channels are like from 200 to 214, something like that. And so what I do is I will just turn it on one, and as soon as it goes to commercial, I just flip to the next one. So I get the whole repertoire of CNN, Fox News, MSNBC. For a while, we had a Al Jazeera. I don't know why, but it was coming in through our satellite. I would even watch Al Jazeera. Here's the interesting thing. Uh, there's not a lot all those different news places agree on. One thing they did all just seem to agree with, they were all motivated by fear, right? And you just think about different political parties. Uh, the libertarians would, would have us believe, you know, if, if, uh, if you don't elect libertarians, all your freedoms are going to be gone. It's going to be a tyrannical state. One of the things that Democrats have been saying this time around is, if, if you don't elect Democrats, democracy is over. Republicans tend to say, you don't elect Republicans, there's going to be no more safety in the streets. Uh, the Green Party, I don't even know if they even get any votes, right? But they try to say, you don't vote for us, the whole planet is just going to globally warm or globally cool and we're all going to die anyway. It's, it's all driven by fear. And here's the thing. There might be an element of truth in many or most, even all those statements, but, but they take it way too far. And the motive is so driven by fear. And these people were driven by fear. Just, just a little bit of the historical context. Uh, the Roman Empire had ruled the nation of Israel for many years. But they gave them some delegated authority. And there was, they had appointed like a supposed Jewish king, a Jewish governor, called Herod. And so you had a lot of Jewish people that said, we like Herod, we support Herod, the Herodians. And then you had others that were more the religious leaders kind of the purists, the traditionalists, they were the Pharisees, okay? But Jesus was threatening to take their power away, and they hated it. And so, they couldn't agree on much, but they agreed on this. They said, we got to take out Jesus. we got to find a way. So, they, they were driven by fear. But also, they were driven by being fake. And what do I mean by that? They're just, they're, they were hypocrites. And again, think about how many of our politicians today are just hypocrites. They, which way is the wind blowing? And that's the way I'll vote. Anything to stay in power. I heard a story recently. Uh, a man that had a brother-in-law who was an ultra-liberal. Anything that the biggest liberal is for, he was for. And one of those things was gun control. He was always ranting about gun control, you know, which is not very popular in a lot of places in Alabama. Uh, and then this man, he died. And so when they were getting all of the stuff from his house, they found out this man had an arsenal. He had 20-some guns. My, my friend, who tends to be more conservative, said... I now have three AR-15s. I never had an assault rifle before. But my ultra-liberal brother-in-law, who was all for gun control, had three AR-15s. He's a hypocrite. I have known many people that claim to be Republicans and the faith and value, and they're all for, you know, be a good family man, and then it comes out, they're sleeping with their secretary. Unfortunately, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Hypocrites. It's not good to be a hypocrite for any of us. Now, listen to what they do. This is verse 14 again. And they came and they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and you don't care about anyone's opinion for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. They're basically saying, We love and respect you, Jesus. We want to hear your political opinion because you're not a hypocrite. But even as they're saying those words, they're being hypocritical. Because they say, We know you teach the true way of God. If they really believed that, they would follow him. But they didn't. They're hypocrites. Okay, But knowing the hypocrisy, he could smell it. He said to them, why do you put me to the test? Bring me to Daenerys. So I would just say, when we're trying to think about who we're going to vote for, and this can be very hard, try to find the person who's the least hypocritical. 
Try to find the person who's at least honest about what they believe, what they say, and they follow through with it, and not somebody who's just putting their finger up in the wind and just trying to hang on to their power. Because that's what far too many people are doing. They're, they're just they're self-serving. There's far too many people that are like the Pharisees, they're like the Herodians. They just love their power. They just love the money. That's what they're really doing it for. And so, and again, those people end up on both sides. The third thing is just to be false. And what do I mean by that? Listen again to how Jesus responds to them. They brought one, the denarius, and he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, render to Caesar things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Now, why do I say they're being false? They're, they're basically, they're not just being hypocrites. They're doing work. They're lying to themselves. And here's what I mean. The Pharisees, and you find this out if you read more of the accounts of the life of Jesus, it says other places, the Pharisees, they really, really loved money. And the Pharisees were ones saying, we don't want to pay this poll tax. This was a specific tax called the poll tax the Roman government had instituted. It was a tiny tax. It, today, it would be somewhere between 20 cents and $40 that you paid once a year. So it wasn't a bunch of money. It was a tiny tax. But it was a tax that basically said, I'm, I'm paying my tax for the privilege of being a Roman citizen. And the Pharisees, who were more the traditionalists, the purest, okay, they hated that. In fact, there, 25 years before this happened, there was a guy named Judas, the, uh, uh, Judas of Galilee, or maybe Judas the Galilean, who had led an armed revolt. And part of his whole thing is, if you pay this tax, you're just admitting you're a slave to Rome. And he hated it. Taxation equals slavery. Sounds like something I probably heard on the news recently, right? Okay? And he led this armed revolt. And a lot of the Pharisees had been involved with it. They hated the poll tax. They hated the Roman government. We're not going to do it. But here's the funny thing. Jesus says, well, give me a denarius. And they're like, oh, I've got one right here. They were happy to use Caesar's money when it benefited them. Again, here's more of their hypocrisy. They were lying to themselves. Oh, we're so against Rome. No, you're not. You're benefiting from Rome in tons of ways, using their road, using their money. You're just trying to make a moral stand on this one little issue because you're self-righteous. He was exposing how they were lying to themselves. But the Herodians, they, listen, they were happy to pay the poll tax. And they said, we're just being loyal, faithful citizens. But the reality is, because they supported Herod, they got extra land, they got extra benefits. If the Pharisees, who tend in some ways to be like the most ultra-conservatives, okay, if they were self-righteous... The Herodians, who would tend to be more like maybe the extreme liberal elite, they tended to be people that are just self-serving. It's all about me and my power and my fame and my money. And Jesus exposes both of them. So, so let me just try to make a couple of practical applications for modern 21st century. How should we do this? The first thing I would say is um, look for politicians that don't dodge questions. One thing that was so refreshing about this, just kind of reading it and thinking about it again is, they asked Jesus a very specific question. Should we pay the poll tax, yes or no? And he answered them. I mean, don't you hate it? I mean, I saw this again. I was watching a little bit of the news Sunday afternoon, and these were two different uh, candidates for governor, actually incumbent governor. It's different states. I'm not trying to make a speech here in Alabama, okay? Different states. And one of them was a liberal woman uh, who's, who is the governor, and she's been interviewed by a woman on a very liberal news show and asked her something about safety, and she tried to say, well, here's everything I've done. And the woman had to cut her off and say, oh, but we're not safe. You're not answering my question. And then I saw 
an incumbent Republican governor in another state, okay, being interviewed on a very conservative show, and she asked him something about some corruption in his business, totally dodged the question. She had to come and say, no, no, ask you a very specific question about corruption in the business that you owned. So many politicians dodge the question. Don't vote for them. Try to find somebody that will at least be honest and address the real issues. Jesus did that. The second thing I'd say is, I think it's very hard in our modern day. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I would say nine times out of ten, it's very hard to fully support one party or one person all the time and everything. There is a very helpful phrase in politics that's true. It's the lesser of two evils. There does have to be a level of pragmatism what's going to work. And at some level, Jesus, this is what's interesting. Do you remember what he says, whose inscription is on the coin? I mean, we, you can go to ancient museums and see a denarius, and people can translate what was written on it. And it basically said, Caesar, the son of Caesar Augustus, the son of God, high priest. I mean, if you know anything about the Bible and Christianity, Judaism and Christianity, it was taking titles of God and applying it to the emperor. And Jesus got the coin and he didn't say, this is blasphemy, how dare they, this is against the second commandment. He didn't do any of that. He said, hey, you know what, it's Caesar's money. Caesar printed the money. You're getting benefits from Caesar like good roads and stuff. Pay him his tax. He gave you the money. Give him back what he deserves. There's, there's a level of pragmatism there. But fourth, and this is maybe the most important part, is Jesus went further and gave them something they didn't want. And this is where I think he, I mean, when he says pay the tax, it's kind of like he's rebuking the Pharisees. But then when he says render to Caesar what's Caesar's, that's for the Pharisees. Render unto God what was God's, that was more towards the Herodians. And what he was saying is, guys, politics is not the ultimate game. And I think that's very important for people living in modern-day America. Politics is important. You should care. You should be active. You should be educated. You should think. You should vote. Some of you got your stickers on. It's very good. I'm going after this to do it, all right? Uh, I'm not saying just bail out on the process. But I am saying here's the real danger is when you start to think the political process is the most important process in the world. It's not. It's, it's, it, at best, it's a distant second. And the spiritual process of relating to God is literally a trillion times more important. And Jesus is trying to remind them of that. Give back to Caesar what Caesar deserves. And he does deserve some honor, some taxes. But give to God what he deserves, what he's given you. And then you think, well, what has God's inscription on it? And if you know anything about Christianity and Judaism, one of the most fundamental tenets that really makes the world a much better place to live in when people believe it and obey it is that every human being is made in the image of God. So just think about the implications of this for just a second. If I really believe that and live that way, Every human being is made in the image of God, even my enemy, even the person that voted the way that I didn't vote, even the politician that I feel like is ruining my country. It doesn't mean I can't respectfully disagree, push back, vote against them, even lobby against them, but there ought to be a level of humility and respect that I treat them with dignity and worth, and I don't just get onto Facebook or Instagram or whatever and just destroy and eviscerate their character because they had one policy that I didn't agree with. And unfortunately, there's plenty of people on the right and the left and all the way in between doing that kind of stuff all the time. The Pharisees seemed like they were driven by a lot of self-righteousness and pride. Look at us. Look how righteous we are and all our values. And they were boasting in it. 
Jesus is against that. The Herodians were just very self-serving. More money, more power, more prestige for us. We just care about ourselves. Jesus, the one true king of the universe, this is really interesting, guys. This, this comes days before Jesus would be arrested and killed by this very government that he's telling us, pay your taxes to this government that's about to execute me. He knew it was coming. And when his followers tried to fight, he said, don't fight them. And then even when he was on the cross being killed, he prayed for his enemies, Father, forgive them, have mercy on them. They don't really know what they're doing. So self-righteousness shouldn't drive us in politics. Self-serving mentality shouldn't drive us in politics. Rather, that there should be sacrificial service. That if we get any power in politics, as the politician ourselves or as just a voter in our party wins, there should be an attitude. We want to use that strength and that power to serve others, even sacrificially, even our enemies, because that's the way that Christ has served us. And I love the way it ends. It says, they marveled at him. I mean, when's the last time any of us have marveled at a politician? I think it's pretty rare. But I think you know, what we can do is we can hope and we can vote for more men and women who are Christ-like, at least in their character, to be leading and governing this country. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Truth Wars with Dr. Olin Stubbs. If you have any questions for Olin, please email him at olin.stubbs at campusoutreach.org. 